Praise the Lord. John chapter 4. Amen. I give honor to the Bradfords, to Elder Frost and his family. Amen. Just a privilege to be here. John chapter 4, verse 4. John chapter 4, verse 4. If you have it, can you say amen? John chapter 4 and verse 4. <clears throat> and he must needs go through Samaria. And then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Amen. Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city. Somebody say to buy meat. And if you can just skip on down to uh, verse number 30. We'll get in the story during the preaching. But then they went out of the city and they came unto him. And in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. They went all this way to get him something to eat. Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. I have meat to eat that you know not of. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the precious people. Amen. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would illuminate us, God, that you would give us revelation and that you would open up our eyes to wondrous things in thy law. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen, you may be seated. Can you clap your hands one more time unto the Lord? Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I remember uh, years ago uh, going to church and wanting to get involved and wanting to be part of, of ministry. And, and uh, after a certain time, I remember uh, felt like God dealing with me and wanting to be active and wanting to be involved uh, with, with ministry. I remember at a particular point, uh, I, would, I never really was uh, one to be in front of people. I was always shy as a kid, you know, and uh, I didn't really like being in crowds. You know, family, sometimes family would come over, I'd just leave out the back window, you know, just, you know, just one of those weird kids, I guess. I don't know. But, but uh, I never really necessarily desired to be at the pulpit or to be... Uh, preaching, which there's nothing wrong with that per se, but I, I remember just wanting to be involved. I remember getting into church and thankful that everything God had done for me and uh, coming to church, other young people being there, teenagers and uh, early 20s and things like that. And I remember um, I just started seeing things that needed to be done around the church that nobody else was doing. And so I just, I just started doing them. I didn't really ask for permission. I just wanted to be involved, and um, I remember um, just getting involved with Sunday school and the van ministry, uh, cleaning toilets, cleaning bathrooms, and uh, just just whatever whatever the need was, I just wanted to be involved. Can you say amen? I believe that uh, all of us should be like that. If there's a need in the church, um, we could always wait for someone else to do it. Um, or we can, we can be a part of the solution, praise God. 
And uh, it wasn't long. I started speaking up at the rescue missions and doing different things and, and uh, did that for a number of years. And then uh, doors began to open to go to the prison and go and, and uh, speak at the prison. And I remember they used to lock us in there at the prison on uh, Saturday nights about 7 o'clock. Sometimes you didn't leave till 10, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, I remember naturally, you know, as a young man being intimidated, you know, I didn't know if I was going to go, had to go in there and get in the strap, you know, hit somebody with a Bible. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, but uh, I remember just, just uh, being thankful of going and being a, being a part of it and, and also a little hesitation because, you know, uh, it was just, uh, it was a solemn feast. It was, it was sobering uh, to be in there. And uh, I remember... Uh, just over the years, uh, just different characters, different personalities you had to put up with. There were, there were men uh, that, were, that were incarcerated, that were very studied, and uh, sometimes they would clash with our doctrine, and uh, they, would get in, they would get intimidating because of their expanse of knowledge, and, and it challenged us to get in the Word of God, amen, and, and it challenged our doctrine, it challenged our theology, and it, it actually made us uh, stronger in the Word of God, and Thankful for those times. I remember uh, uh, one one particular guy. Um, he had went to Oral Roberts University, and some of you know about the old Oral Roberts University and their doctrine classes with our doctrine. And, and every time we would go to service, he would always have something contradictory to say. Always wanted to debate. Always wanted to wrangle. Always wanted to argue over over different topics and different things of the Bible. And, he would come with his group, and, and he would stir them up, and it was, it was becoming a hindrance to our services, and we were just young, young kids, and, uh, you know, we just didn't really know how to handle ourselves, and I remember one particular service that uh, uh, there was a, a man that had come to fall in love with us, just some young, young ministers, and uh, I think he was doing some, some, some life sentences. He wasn't, he wasn't getting out anytime soon, and, and uh, I remember he had a big scar uh, from the top of his head down on his face and uh, uh, very, very intimidating individual. But uh, he had grown to love us and he had never uh, accepted the gospel. He, he, you know, would always say that, man, I'm not perfect. I got my struggles. But there was just something about uh, these young preachers that he liked. And I remember the fella coming from Oral Roberts University always giving us a hard time. And I remember uh, one night that the guy with the scar stood up and he told him, he said, listen, he said, every time these boys come up, he said, you give them a hard time. He said, that stops tonight. I'm like, man. And there was this tension, like all the oxygen got sucked out of the room. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for my car keys. It's time for me to get out of here. And, uh, you know, it, it, it even got tired of that because he looked at him and said, you know what I'm in here for. And I'm like, oh, man. But nevertheless, we never had any more problems. So, you know, God will send somebody when you need them, praise the Lord, <laughs> in any form, shape, fashion, praise God. And I remember one particular night, man, we've seen people get the Holy Ghost up there. Man, I remember one night it preached a, a dry message, didn't seem like anything was happening, and uh, there was no music. It was just white concrete walls, white floor, old chairs in, in that little room they put us in, and uh, wasn't anything to write home to mom about, and I remember... Uh, 30, 40 men coming there in small, tight space there. And, uh, you know, all of them looking at you, no emotion per se. 
And I remember one particular night, and I asked, uh, teaching on the Holy Ghost, and uh, there were two men there. And I, I said, does anybody here want the Holy Ghost? And I was hoping, I was hoping they would say no. But two men raised their hand in the back, and I'm like, man. Because now, you know, you got to go talk to them. You know how it is. Altar working can be, it can be a challenge because, you know, you don't know if your breath is right. You know, you don't, you know, you don't know if they get out of my space. You don't know if they're going to swing on you or not. And, uh, and, and so, anyway, I went to them. And I began to explain to them and, and told them what God wanted from them and what was going to happen during the process. And I remember the first man, he, he lifted up his hand and everybody else is just looking. And as he lifted up his hand, I laid my hand on his forehead and God just miraculously filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he began to speak in other tongues. And when he, when he heard himself speaking in that, that miraculous language, he, he began to cry, began to weep. And I turned to lay my hand on the other gentleman, but before I could even lay my hands on him, he already had his hands raised up, and God had already filled him with the Holy Ghost. What are you saying? I'm saying it don't matter who you are, where you are, what you are, God will meet you where you are, because that is the love of God. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Anybody thankful that he loves us, that he's chosen us, that he believes in us, and that is walking with us. Amen. God, God does not look at time. God does not look at time. Uh, I'm reminded of Peter, uh, Paul, in the book of Acts chapter 19. The Bible says while they were going and traveling, the Bible says they came upon some disciples of John. And Paul asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Watch them now. They said, we have never even heard about the Holy Ghost. I got to looking at that brother. I said, now, wait a minute. John was preaching about the Holy Ghost. He said, I indeed baptize you with water, but, but there is one that is coming after me who is mightier than I. He shall baptize you with the... John was preaching the Holy Ghost. Somebody had missed church. Somebody had missed some Bible studies. Somebody had missed blessings, but, but here's the, here is the blessing in that passage. Nevertheless, he said, it don't matter what you've missed or, or what you didn't get. He said, right here, right now, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. You know what that tells me? It don't matter how many years you missed out. It don't matter how much time you think you've lost. It don't matter how much time you think you've wasted. God's a right here, right now type of God. He said, I'll pour it out. I'll give you the power. I'll give you the blessings. A right here, right now type of God. Amen. And uh, man, God filled those boys with the Holy Ghost. Come down off the hill there. And uh, man, it was a late night. I had a little bit of, I needed to get some gas. I was getting reared up for Sunday. Uh, different Sunday school responsibilities and different things. And I remember uh, pumping gas, and there was a lady, young, I was younger at the time, early 20s, and there was a, a, a lady there, it's probably about my age, and uh, a little bit older maybe, pumping gas, it's just me and her at the gas pump, and amen, I was just kind of looking around, and uh, I remember I felt my pocket, in my pocket was a, 
was a, uh, a little track on the Holy Ghost. And man, I, I didn't think, really think about it. I just, I don't even know how it got there. <laughs> and uh, well, I'm like, well, I didn't want it in my pocket. I didn't want to leave it in my car because you know what's going to happen if you leave it in your car. And, uh, and so I just, I leaned over and I said, hey, this is, this is for you. I said, have you ever heard about the Holy Ghost? And she looked at me, her face gnarled up. I said, uh-oh, oh boy. Uh-oh, somebody called 911. And uh, she looked at me, she shook her head. She said, the Holy Ghost is not real and I don't believe in speaking in tongues. I'm like, oh, oh. I'm like, well, give it back. <laughs> no, I was just kidding. <laughs> um, and, and I was, I, I, did, I, I didn't even know what to say. I was a little bit shocked from her response, her rebuttal. And I said, you know, I said, uh, you know, it is real. I said, I've experienced it. And I said, well, you know, wanna, I said, I don't know what to tell you. Why don't you just, uh, you know, take it home? But I, I, when I said that, I felt something. I felt something about this young lady. And why don't you just go home and pray about it? That's what I told her. Why don't you go home and pray about it? Amen. And, and uh, she said, well, I don't believe in speaking in tongues. I've heard about it. And I don't believe in the Holy Ghost. I said, I'll, I said, well, you know, why don't you just, why don't you just go pray about it? And, and that was it. I filled up the tank, went home, got ready for Sunday school, and, and uh, I got a call to go preach that morning. And so I, I, I didn't even go to church, and I had to drive quite a ways, and I preached Sunday night in another city. And, and uh, when, I, when I got out of service that night, I had got a, uh, looked at my phone. I had about, uh, you know, four or five uh, voicemails. And, and so I called the brother back from church, and and uh, I could hear music going on in the background. Altar call was still jamming and pumping. And, and uh, he'd come out, and I could hear it get quiet on the phone. And I said, hey, Brother Griffin. I said, how's it going? He said, yeah, brother. He said, I just want to let you know. He said, that lady that you invited uh, at the gas station last night is uh, laid, laid out up here at the altar speaking in tongues right now. Amazing. And I thought, I'm like, are you sure? And I, just, I said, describe her. He began to describe her. And I said, yeah, that's her. He said, yeah, brother, she, she's speaking in tongues right now. She's laid out. God has laid this woman out. God has delivered this woman. Amen. And I begin to rejoice and I begin to shout. Amen. And I remember there was something that just got a hold of me that night. Man, it was, it was something that was far beyond all of the successes and all of the accomplishments and all of the, the medals and the trophies that I'd won. There was just quite nothing like being responsible and being the changing agent or the channel for somebody experiencing God in such a manner. I looked over my life. I began to scan and survey all of the accomplishments and all the things I've celebrated and all the things that I've, I've won through effort and hard work. And, I, and there was nothing that compared to being responsible or, man, being that contact point for somebody that had never heard about this, never never tasted this, never, never experienced this. Uh, amen. It was nothing like being the one uh, that, that could bring this gift to somebody. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Give God some praise. Man, I, I, it, was, it was so phenomenal. I watched this. I watched this young lady uh, get into church, and I watched her fight. I watched her become faithful. Amen. I watched her 
win her husband to the Lord. Uh, man, very, very successful man, uh, very disciplined. I watched him, uh, dark background. I watched him come because she won him. Uh, I remember uh, this, this sister now, uh, one day a friend of hers knocked on the door wanting a cigarette. She didn't have any cigarettes anymore because God had delivered her from cigarettes. And, and uh, it was there she began to witness the Sister Sherry. Sister Sherry came into church. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And she got in church, got baptized. And Sherry went and won her husband. And he got in church. And, and then he won his brother and his blind father and his mother. And, amen. And his brother's wife. And all of these off of, off of one contact point, off of one exchange of the truth and, and I'll never forget seeing them in church worshiping God seeing them cry and weep and seeing them bow down unto the Lord and I remember weeping not in pride but just God thank you for using me there was no feeling like the feeling of winning somebody to Jesus Christ amen there was no no greater feeling of success and I could tell you stories of times of, of finding people in their darkest lows and being that, that change, agent of, change agent of bringing them into the church. And, and, uh, and, and I began to uh, uh, learn Sister Veronica's life. And, and uh, I remember she uh, became, uh, at the age of 15, uh, she had become uh, her, oh, there it is. her stepfather had, uh, had molested her the age of 15, and her, her mother uh, didn't believe her. Her friends and family didn't believe her, uh, and they turned their backs on her, and her mother stayed with the man uh, that, 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 uh, that, that molested her, and, and uh, it caused all types of psychological problems. She went down a road of heavy drug use, and in and out of jail and all type of psychological troubles and, and, uh, and lesbianism and all of these dark tales that we hear about. Amen. And I never knew it, but, but it was that day that her and I connected. And Amen. I had something to give her and that was something that God had given me. Amen. And I want to tell you something. God wiped away all of the scars out of her life. He wiped away all of the pain and all of the tears and all of the bitterness in 17 years later. I just preached at her church uh, in another city, another state, and her kids are singing in the choir. Amen. She's still going to church. She's faithful and living for God. Amen. Praise God. Telling you, friend, you may get degrees and you may make financial accomplishments and success, and you may you may make it big in whatever endeavors you pursue. But I'm telling you tonight that there is no meat, there is no taste like winning somebody to Jesus Christ. There is no greater feeling of success than when you win somebody. Amen. No, no greater taste of success than when you become responsible for somebody else sitting in the house of God. It's just, I, don't, I can't explain it, but there is something phenomenal psychologically it releases some type of chemical we can't explain. Amen. That when you can look over in the congregation and you see somebody that you have invited a witness to or brought back to church and God has filled them with the Holy Ghost. God has set them free. God has blessed them. There's no greater taste. Jesus, Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. What you going to do? You going to do some more miracles? 
No. You, you, you're going to do some, you're going to break down some more philosophy and, and, and analogies and parables? No. God, you're going to feed the, the 5,000? No. I got somebody I got to win to God. I must needs go through. I, I've got to get to Samaria. And the Bible says he sends off his disciples and they go buy another type of bread in the city. Because there's two types of bread now in this point. Two types of meat, rather. There's the meat in the city that you can get if you pay the price. But there's a different type of meat in Samaria that only comes by winning somebody and building relationships. You ready for this? Church is good and preaching is good. But when you're involved with winning somebody to God, the preaching's even better. You watch, you, you get involved with personally winning somebody to God and the music gets better. The worship gets better. And the church gets better. Man, Jesus comes down to this woman and you know the story, you've heard it a thousand times. Amen, he tells the woman, can you give me something to drink? Man, she looks at you, ain't got enough. You don't have the utensils. You don't have the, you don't have the hardware. Amen. You're not prepared. And he goes on this thing and he reveals to her whom he is. This woman, you got to watch it now. This woman has been in multiple relationships and none of them have worked out this far. Can I tell you the world is trying to find answers? But the only relationship that will work for the world is an encounter personally with Jesus Christ. That's it. You got to think about this woman. Now, I, I did a little bit of research in my own brain library. I mean, this woman had to be fine. I mean, she had to be attractive. I mean, you don't get five husbands being ugly. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> I mean, five husbands? Man. Brother, like, hey, will you marry me, please? I'm your man. I'm proud of Gucci. I'll give it all to you. <laughs> my wife, man, she, she got my attention so bad, I almost started lying to her. Yeah, I, I, I own real estate down south. And I'll take care of you, girl. I mean, you don't get five husbands being a bad wife, and, and, and what are you saying? I'm saying that there was some good to this woman's life. It just hadn't worked out yet. And I'm telling you, there are people in this world, you, you may not see it, but there's good in everybody. There's potential in everybody. There was something about this woman that had attracted God, and God said, I personally have to go win this woman. 
know the story, he begins to minister to her. He, he begins to build a relationship. He begins to tell her about the Holy Ghost. And if you would have asked me to drink, I would have given you water and you never would have thirsted again. Amen. That's what we all, that's what we have to offer the world. Let me tell you something. We don't have expertise to offer the world. Amen. We don't have all the money in the world to offer the world. Amen. We don't have psychology to offer the world. The only thing that we have is the refreshing, renewing, cooling flow of the Holy Ghost. And that is good enough. Good enough. Man. And, I mean, he stirs up the whole city. She comes back, come see a man that told me everything about my life. And man, I mean, it wins the whole city because of this encounter with this woman and because of God's love and because of God's patience. And by the time this revival breaks out, watch now, the disciples come on the scene. See, because they had been in the city, which is a type of the church. And ah, they're kind of like, what's going on here? They come to Jesus, watch now, master, eat. He looks at it and says, uh, I have meat to eat that you know not of. He said, I'm already, I'm already feeding on something that is better than what you have. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my fuel and my energy and my purpose and my function off of, a, of, off of a cuisine, amen, that is better than what you have. He said, I'm, I'm feeding off of the work of God. Man, he said, I'm, I'm already consuming something. I'm already filled on something that's better than what you have. Amen. And I'm telling you today that God is, is coming to us and he's saying, you know, you've been around this for quite some time and the preaching's good. He said, but I've got something even better. Preaching's good when you hear preaching, but you know what's even better is when you sit down and get to share the word with somebody else. Some of y'all looking at me like, don't, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Winning somebody to Christ. It's a, it's a different type of taste. You, you want to fulfill your purpose and you want to you get the full spectrum in living for God. Amen. Get involved with building a relationship with somebody that has never tasted about the Holy Ghost, never heard about the Holy Ghost, and see what God does for you, through you, and by you. Because I've learned there's, there's different types of bread in the Scripture. And bread is a purpose, and I'm wrapping this thing up. It's hot, I know it, man. We're burning up like hot bacon grease. You ever been burned by bacon grease? See, bread was the purpose. Watch now, bread was for three purposes. Number one, bread was, was, was a purpose for food, for fellowship, four of them. Food, fellowship, Fulfillment and function. Because you can't function without food. Amen. There's good fellowship around food. Around the bread of life. Even Jesus said, I am the bread of life. But I got to looking in the scripture and God began to show me some things about how different people feed 
on different types of bread. See, one day Jesus was leading his disciples through the, the fields and there were grains of, of, there was grain that was ready to be plucked off. Amen. And, and, uh, and there were there was disciples with him. And then one day uh, they were getting ready to eat and Jesus and his disciples didn't wash his hands. Watch now. And some of the Pharisees came and said, how come your master doesn't wash his hands? Because we wash our hands before we eat the type of bread we eat. Man, you know what God told me? He said, son, you got to beware. You got be, to be cautious of eating Pharisees' bread. You know what Pharisees' bread is? That's called our traditions. And I preach that churches, brother. You know what they live off of? They live off Pharisees' bread. You got to be clean to eat this bread. You got to be perfect to eat this bread. Oh, if you come to church and, and your hair ain't all the way down to the ground and your skirt ain't as long as your hair and you ain't clean shaven and you haven't kicked all your friends and family out of your life yet by, by Monday morning, we don't want nothing to do with you. I'm talking about people that know nothing of the scripture but all they know is standards. Don't know anything about the prayer room. Don't know anything about the Spirit of God. I'm talking about they live off of tradition. And they feel justified coming to church. You know why? Well, because, you know, we don't have a television in our home. And we're going to preach standards. Don't get me wrong. We're going to preach holiness. And, and you better believe I'm going to preach separation. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to live off of Pharisees' bread. Oh, come on. I, I, I'm talking about you feel okay where you at because after all, we've got the truth. Well, that ain't good enough with God. You got to wash your hands to eat our bread. How come, your, how, come your, how come your teacher don't wash his hands? Because he's not a Pharisee, that's why. Jesus said, I'm, I'm with the publicans and I'm with the prostitutes. And, amen. They called him a wine bibber and a drunk. Uh, why? Because he was trying to pull somebody out of darkness uh, and translate him into the light of the dear son. Got to be weary of Pharisees' bread. It'll get a hold of people. Man, and you'll walk down the mall and you'll stick your nose at everybody else that don't look like you. Am I lying or am I right? Man, you'll, you'll, you'll go to the store and all you can do is shake your head, amen, and look at people because, amen, after all, they're not apostolic yet. They're not Pentecostal like you. They don't go to church like you. That's the Pharisees' bread. And Jesus will look at that and say, I got meat that I eat that now. You don't know nothing about it. Praise God. Amen. You can't live off Pharisees' bread. Because the fact of the matter is, I know there's people, there's people out there, they don't know any scripture, but they know all the standards. I'll tell you something, that's dangerous territory. Because if, you, if you're living for God by discipline, amen, you're not going to make it, praise God. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Lord begin to open my eyes. He said, he said I'm going to show you about another type of bread. He said, this right here is called the survivor's bread. He said, the survivor's bread. He said, turn me over to the chapter where Jesus began to break bread. He began to multiply the loaves. He said, and they asked him, he said, he said, some of these won't make it. That's why I break the bread for them. They won't. He said, they don't have enough energy to make it back home. That's called survivor's bread. 
These are the type of people that they can't make it, brother, unless conference comes around. They survive. They, man, all through the week, no word of God, no Bible reading, no experience with God, but they survive from Sunday to Sunday. You know what, people, I'm talking about? God's got to do a miraculous miracle for them to break through. You cannot live like that. You can't function on that. You can't grow on that. It's got to be a daily thing. Somebody clap your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Man, survivor's bread. God said, all right, one day the disciples are walking. Watch this now. The disciples are walking through this, this field. And as they walk through the field, the Bible says they begin to pluck the kernels of grain. Amen. They begin to eat them. The Pharisees looked at them and said, why are you breaking the Sabbath? And Jesus looked at them and said, have you not read about the time David got into the house of God and he began to eat the showbread? Showbread is a, it's what it means. It was show, to show, show you something. It was it was not just the word of God, but it, was, it, was, it symbolized something that, that, that it, it was reserved in the tabernacle. And, amen. The only way you could eat this bread was for the priests. And show bread meant literally a show because through eating this bread, God would give you revelation and illumination and God would show you deeper truths of his word. That's why they called it show bread. And this is a beautiful thing when a person can go and they're not living on Pharisee bread or tradition and they're not living on survivor's bread just from conference to conference, but they actually have their own personal relationship with the Word of God. They study the Word of God. They've got a dictionary. They've got a concordance. They ask questions. They make notes. That is a sign of spiritual maturity. The showbread. And then God said, but I am the bread from heaven. That is, a, that is a highlight. When you can get in a prayer room, watch now, and you've got the word of God in your hand, and you can pray, and God can give you his own personal word through relationship. Do you see the phases of relationship? The phases of incline. I'm done. I'm wrapping it up. But God showed me, he said, there's one even greater than that. He said, and that is the bread of a soul winner. That is, that is the highest point of consumption. And when you taste this meat, when you taste this type of bread, it changes everything. And when they came to Jesus that day, amen, they looked at him and said, Master, we want you to eat this. Well, what is it? Well, this is bread from the city. And Jesus said, no, I've, I've got something else that I'm already consuming on. And I'm telling you something. You know, the Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. Watch now, watch now. James chapter 5, verse 20. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul and hide a multitude of sins. And I'm telling you, I love Revelation. I love our standards. I love our tradition. I love our praise, our worship. Brother, I like getting by myself, reading the word of God, getting revelation. I love going to conferences. I love Sunday night hype. I love all of it. But I'm telling you, friend, there ain't nothing that compares to the feeling 
of when you got somebody in your life, some relationship you built, and you invite them to a Bible study, you invite them to fellowship, and you say, come and see my church, and you watch God work in their life, and you watch God win them to the Lord. No greater feeling. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Say, man, why are you preaching like this? I'll tell you why. Because there was a revival on the precipice of this church. There's a revival. There's another sister Veronica that's waiting just for somebody, amen, to invite them to the house of God. I'm telling you right now, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. You know something, Pastor Bradford? I've seen, I've seen couples get involved in winning souls and teaching Bible studies, and, and it's, it begin to iron out marriage problems. Oh, hallelujah. Because there ain't nothing. I'm telling you, friend, there ain't nothing like sitting across from the table and you, you mention a book of the Bible, and there ain't nothing more humbling and more touching than seeing this person flip back and forth and and, and, and they're, they're in the Old Testament, and you said the book of Matthew, and they're in the Old Testament, they're in Leviticus, and they're in Numbers, and, and man, it, it humbles you, and it brings you back to the place. It says, God, this is my purpose right here. It's a different type of bread. It's a different type of meat. It's addicting when you, when you see somebody, never forget one day I, and, and, and I get it. You say, I, I know there's people like me here, and, and I don't have the personality. I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. I, man, I, you know, I can, you can ask my wife. I can be closed in a room by myself all day long. And so I have to pray to get in the spirit of boldness and assertiveness to to be able to contact friends and relatives. And that's really where you start. You, you start with, with people that know you and trust you and love you. And you begin to invite them and say, I want to show you something in the word of God. And, and you build this cadence. You build this pattern. And, and you watch the word of God begin to take their life and, and change and transform them. And I remember one day, I, man, I wanted, I wanted to win somebody to God. Because I, 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 I hadn't felt it in a long time. And I, I'd been to all the conferences and I'd been to all the meetings and Man, I'm, I, everything, everything that, that identifies us as church going apostolics. But there was something still missing in my life. And it had been a while since I'd won somebody to God. And so, man, it was an old Montana morning. I think it was 15 degrees out. Snow on the ground, ice. But I got in the spirit and something drove me. I said, I got to find somebody. Because I cannot, I can't live on Pharisees bread. I can't live on tradition and rhetoric and rhythm and cadence and just being religious. You can't live like that either. I can't live like that. And I can't live off survivor's bread. Conference to conference, you know what happens? You'll run out of gas. You'll go to a conference and says, man, we, you know, it's the same old, it's good, it's a highlight. We get this emotional high. And not too long after that, we feel empty again. You know why? Because there's another type of meat that God is wanting to introduce to the church. It's called personal soul winning. There's people getting a hold of it. Some of the greatest soul winners are in this place right now.
100 soul revival with one person, I believe it can happen. I believe it's going to happen. Because you never know who you win. And man, I win. I knocked on the door. I go to this apartment complex and knock on the, you know, it's a, it's a secured place. So I'm just kind of waiting around because I felt like this is what I needed to do. And somebody walked out, so I just acted like I was just, you know, going to my apartment, but I didn't live there. And I knocked on the door and talked to a lady. She didn't, she really wasn't interested. So I just kept knocking and I remember I knocked on the door and uh, a younger man answered the door. He was, had an accent. Man, I'm nervous. I don't really know what to say. I got some tracks in my hand. I'm, I'm stumbling over my words. I'm stuttering. I'm nervous. I don't know. And I, hey, uh, and, and I asked him, I said, hey, I'm just, can't remember what I said. Have you ever heard about the Holy Ghost? Something like that. And uh, he said, I've heard about it. I said, well, man, well, if you don't mind, maybe we could sit down. And I introduced myself. And maybe we could get together this week and we could sit down and we could talk about the word of God. And, and so we did and we set a time. And I'll never forget going to meet him. And uh, when he sat down and he had his Bible, he had several Bibles. He had like five or six Bibles. And I said, oh, boy, what did I get myself into? And uh, he spoke like four or five different languages. He was in university to be a Catholic priest. He was, I mean, phenomenal. I mean, this dude's breaking stuff down. I'm like, oh, Lord, I done got the wrong one. I mean, he's breaking down scripture. I mean, he's speaking different languages. He's breaking down Latin. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And I said, you know something, Carl? I said, I, but Acts 2.38 says this. And never debated, never argued. Just went, just teaching Bible study, just teaching just simple things. And he, would, he, wasn't, he wasn't prideful. He was just hungry. And he come from some other country, and there he was living in this little apartment building, Great Falls, Montana. Amen. And then one day out of the blue, I left preaching and out of the blue, brother, I didn't think he was ever interested. The Bible study fell off. And out of the blue, one day he called me, and he, he couldn't say Justin. He called me Justin. Justin. I said, Carl, how you doing? He said, Justin. He said, I've just got a revelation. I said, what is that? He said, I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I, man, I've been going to conferences since I was 13, 12, 13 years old. General conferences, youth congresses, I know all types of meetings all over the world, all the United States, man, missionary. But I'm telling you something. There was no feeling like that feeling that day when he texted me and said, I've been baptized in Jesus' name. And he said, I want to thank you. No greater feeling of accomplishment. Because the Bible says, the Bible says, there's joy in the presence of angels over one sinner that repents of his sin. So I want us to pray. I want us to just pray. Because there's a special anointing here. I feel it holy. You can't win souls without the Spirit of God. Paul said, I strive to work with the Spirit of God that's in me, that's working mightily. He said, I, the only way I can do this work is by the Spirit that's working in me. And God is going to anoint you tonight. It's going to be a special anointing. 
It's going to start pulling you to relatives and friends and acquaintances and neighbors that you've seen your whole life in different restaurants and people you know. And it's going to cause you to speak forth and say, why don't we get together? I've got some things I want to show you in the word of God. Amen. And God's going to lead you to those that are hungry and those that are broken and those that are in need of the word of life. You say, man, I've lived my years. Man, you're never too young or too old to win a song. Jesus, all the way to the, his dying breath on the cross, he had one more to win, that thief on the cross. He said, will you remember me? He said, this day will you be with me in paradise. See, that's, that's the mentality of a soul winner. I'm going to remember to call you because this day you're going to be with me in church. Church is the paradise. Church is the place of peace. It's the place of blessing. And I want to be responsible for winning somebody bringing them to God. Let the angels rejoice over them. Amen. If you desire this particular anointing, this particular accomplishment, this particular meet, I want you to come and pray. Let God lay his hands upon you. God's going to pour fresh anointing oil on you. Amen. That's the mixture that's contained in this anointing is purpose. And with purpose comes fulfillment. And your marriage will be fulfilled. You hear me? Your job will be fulfilled. Your life will be fulfilled because you're tapping into the heartbeat of God. You say, I can't do it on my own. None of us can. It's a work of the Spirit. Woo, God's going to help you win, people. God's going to help you win the loss. You've got friends. You've got brothers. You've got sisters. You've got uncles and aunts and nieces and You've got co-workers and bosses. You've got, you've got people in your life that you're going to give a word to. and You're going to be the changing agent and the component. And you're going to feed off of the work of God. Come on, there's some great soul winners in this house. There's some great Bible study teachers in this place. There's some great inviters in this house. You say, man, I can't teach a Bible study, but that's all right. You can invite somebody. Say, come and see my church. Come meet a man. Come meet my God. Come and meet my...